Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. In order to get ahead, you've got to work harder than the guy next to you. Kirby Craig. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Storybox Podcast. My name is Jay Phantom. Just want to welcome you guys, especially what's going on at the moment with the coronavirus. I hope you guys are all doing safe and well. This week on the show, I have a very special guest for you guys. His name is Kirby Craig. Now, Kirby is the owner of, let me get the list for you, Ume Burger, Bar Ume, Ume Dogs, and Don Taka Ume. Now, we get to talking about how Kirby went from being kicked out of school to then getting a trade, working in a restaurant, then working his way up to uh, working in Michelin star restaurants and then coming to Australia. And then he was actually had it seven times, which is basically, he told me it was Australia's equivalent of earning a Michelin star. Um, I personally think that had it sounds funny, but <laughs> anyway, um, Kirby and I get to talking about a lot of great in, insight and in, into the actual owning a business and owning a cafe or, or a, um, a, a restaurant in general, what that takes, resilience, and there's a lot of good insight in, in this episode for you guys. So I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. With that being said, let's dive into the story box and hear Kirby Craig's story. So I'm sitting here with Kirby Craig, the owner of... Ume Burger, yep. uh, Ume Burger, Bar Ume, um, recently passed Wafu and Don Taco and our beverages. They're all yours? Yes. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. How do you keep up with all of them? Very, very challenging and very difficult. You don't sleep a lot. You, know, you just <laughs> you, you sacrifice one. It's either, you know, sleep or uh, social or, or friends or family. Yeah, I decided so to. Three months just work. You're just working all the time. Yeah, you try to fit it all in together. You know what I mean? Like you try to blur the lines between work and and social. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you try to just consolidate things into one. Yeah. Catch ups at work or around work. You know when you're finishing, uh, and then you know you kind of can do half your job and, and social at the same time. It's, it can be quite stressful. I can and, imagine. And, and get yeah. close to burnout, but that's how you kind of manage to. To be able to satisfy all parties. So six of them, right? Uh, there was, yeah. I've just, I've actually just recently cut back, so we cut back two of them. Um, okay. the, so I'm running with three at the moment, and soon to be. There's another shot coming this year, actually. Wow. Yeah. Can't say too. No, can't say, nah, can't say just yet. Yeah, probably in about a week or so. Yeah. It's going to be in the inner west. Let's just say another. Oh, another, that's my area. Another Ume burger. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to yeah. come all the way out to. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So think we think of it. Think of it as Ume with parking, and then you can kind of let your imagination run from there uh, Ume with parking yeah good, yeah good stuff so um before we get into all the other like yep. the history of the journey i'm going to ask you like one question yep because you've got quite a few shops and everything like that what do you define success as for you in your oh life? um there's two things that i think when people ask me one is is knowledge um learning like you just it's like you know, it's like compounding interest, right? So learning, although most people take an approach to learning as go, okay, I have to learn this for this specific task or role, you know, or assignment, whatever it is. Whereas I, I believe and, 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 
and you know surround myself with people that believe the same thing as well as you just you just keep learning all the time and then just one day just it, it might come up and might be useful mm-hmm. you know one day you're in a situation you're like oh that's right you know i read about this in a in a book or someone else taught me about it or whatever it was you know saw a youtube video it doesn't fucking matter what it is and mm-hmm. as long as you kind of continue learning means means you continually grow uh which means you won't stay stagnant uh, and then the competition won't basically push you up. Um, and then the other thing is like one very, very thing that resonated with me a long time ago when I was working in Michelin restaurants was um, my junior Sue at the time said to me, oh, the only way to get ever get ahead is to work harder than the guy next to you. And that's how you get a promotion. But I took that and I thought about that just as a whole. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, if we want to stand out and stay where we are at a level, we have to be better or work harder than the restaurant next to us the competition out there so you just you just got to work harder than the next guy right doesn't mean you have to work crazy you just got to work harder than the next guy that's it just work harder than the guy next to you and you'll stand out it's a very similar approach or meaning for success that i have yeah yeah there's so many ways to define success there is like but everyone has their own version of it yeah like you might define success as having a lot of money yeah for some people Others, it might be learning education, like you just said. Yep. Others, it could be family. Yeah, family, yeah. friends, popularity, it's, whatever yeah, it is. Such a know. diverse word. So I'm always curious when I meet people such as yourself that have got quite a bit of success behind you in terms Thanks, of the man. restaurant game. I'm always curious to know what their version is because it's quite easy, I find, when you reach this certain level, to get a big head and to not. Yeah, there is. And I think that is the reason for a lot of, you do, it's, it's easy to become complacent and it feels good. Like I'm not going to lie, it feels nice to go, I've made it, you know, I'm cool, I can chill now, I can relax, I can take time off, I can, you know, just just let things run as they are. But one thing I have learned that's been always been the same lesson over and over again is everything has a lead up time, right? So what you put in now affects six months later or next month or next quarter or next year. So everything you do this year, you won't really see it pay dividends. It's like it's like everyone's really, 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 um, really hung up on instant gratification, right? But if you change your time preference for gratification, it'll pay off dividends in my opinion. So for me, it's always, I have this weird paranoia about always going like bankrupt as well. So I constantly want to be like, make sure that, you know, we're always, working on our future investing in our future i know it sounds super cliche like i'm selling some fucking mutual fund but (laughs) (laughs) it's true but it is but it is like what you do it's like going to the gym right going to the gym kind of fucking sucks like let's be honest right it's horrible you gotta get there you know what i mean it's sweaty it hurts whatever it is but it feels fucking awesome after and it feels awesome the day after that and the day after that right so that's use that as an example you know what i mean that's going to the gym is investing in yourself for tomorrow investing in your health for the future same kind of approach I'll take, yeah. It's like input. Although I don't go to the gym. For <laughs> <laughs> people like myself that do sort of work out, yeah. it is it is bloody painful. It is, like, yeah. It's a lot of effort. Do it, you do it because you see the results. You That's might right. not see it one day. It might be 30 days down the track. That's right. And you see like a little bit of result and it's like all that pain was it's worth, worth it and you yeah. feel good you feel and you just even it's even just that that, that that psychological effect of feeling good about doing something good for yourself mm. you know and that's what that's how i approach the business like i'm doing it for the business i'm investing in the business and trying to make uh, i'd like to think about the business as its own you know its own entity you know what i mean it's like it's, it's like this living thing I and mean, if you don't invest in it you don't water it you don't feed it it's gonna die it's very um 
very philosophical way to approach life. Yeah. yeah. That's good though. Yeah. You, this is what happens when you don't sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you stay awake, it's like, oh, yeah. I'm all these thoughts. Just, yeah. yeah, just sitting there. I'm, I'm sort of similar in that respect because yeah. like, my brain's always going. I've always got yeah. something on my brain. Yeah. Like, so I'm trying my best to actually focus in the task at hand sometimes it's hard it's yeah very hard. <laughs> it is yeah. hard when you just go like i want to learn this one this yeah oh yeah i haven't so go. much to learn so much to do yeah so little time and it's is. like you just got to learn how to pace yourself i think that's uh, the thing as well yeah it's like although it is a kind of is a competition um you know just because the competition doesn't mean it's a rush i guess no you know you what i mean like right. you can do it slowly mm. you know and that that's something that i think you learn when you get older because you're like all right, I don't need to go. And you can't really go as hard when you get older because you start to, your knees start to hurt, Fatigue, your yeah. back heart, you know, hurts. You know, you can't do those 16 hour days, six days a week anymore. You start to get tired. So then you've got to, you've got to be smarter about how you approach things. And, and then you realize that, you know, being in it for the long term and the long run is, is, is more beneficial, which is harder in this game. Mm. Yeah. So how did this game all get started for you? Man, fuck. I got kicked out of school that many high schools that the government basically said I wasn't allowed to go back to school. Whoa. Yeah. yeah so they kind of like emancipated everyone from high school. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, I was happy because I didn't want to go back. Uh, and my mum, she was working as a waitress in like a, basically like an RSL. And she was like, oh, if you're not going to school, you can go and fucking work. And I'm like, all right, sweet. So I went to a kitchen, did like some work experience there. Really, really liked it. Um, and then I went, I want to do more. Uh, and a friend, he had a bistro, like a, like an old school, like Aussie style bistro in yeah. like North Sydney. Um, and I went there and yeah, there was like the fucking, like everyone was like going out the back smoking ciggies and like, you know, waitresses are coming in and like, you know, being really kind of flirty and sexual. And, you know, I'm like 15, man. Like, and the other, um, the, the other, all the chefs are like drinking on the job. This is like in the 90s, you know what yeah. I mean? So the chefs are like drinking on the job. I remember they used to like break dance out the back and shit. Like, it was, it was fucking sick. Like, I just listen to music and I was like, this is great. This is work. Like, how can this is like, oh, this is what I want to do. I remember getting paid like $20 a day. Like cash. That was my first job. For how many hours? Oh, man, it was six hours or something like that. But I was having such a great time. I would have done it for free. Uh, and I ended up doing that for a while. Um, and then um, basically I was I was hungry to kind of to, to do more hours and to get into the industry. Uh, and the chefs there were like, look, you got to go and get an apprenticeship game, you know, get indentured and stuff like that. Um, did that. I uh, got an apprenticeship uh, at a cafe kind of near my house. That was fun. Um, and then just kind of took flight from there and actually got, got really lucky with one, my, my kind of first kind of real job. Um, there was two apprentices that were hired, but one was with, um, what's called the hospitality training network. I think they're called HTN. Uh, and they covered, they cover the apprentices. So basically they, they're like an agency, but they make sure the apprentices are treated right and paid the right wages and, you know, taken care of and all that stuff. And I wasn't with them. Um, so it was easy for this. They'd overstaff for Christmas and then obviously cut, cutting back. Um, after Christmas, and and so they said to me, look, you know, sorry, but you know, we'll help you find another job, but we're just we're too stuff, we're too heavy at the moment. And I kind of could see between lines. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just go and get another job. And it was like the next day, my mum said to me, oh, you should go to Roselle. There's lots of like fancy restaurants in Roselle. You know, again, this is back in the nineties, kind of thing, late nineties. Um, and I went there and knocked on the door of a place, and dude opens the door. It's like, he says, who the fuck are you? I'm like, I'm. I'm <laughs> first year apprentice <laughs> looking for a job and he's like you got knives and i'm like yeah he's like got a uniform he's like, yeah he goes tomorrow 9 a.m i'm like okay 
And I went home and I remember thinking, going, wow, this is fucking really weird. Like, this guy just opened the door, blah, blah, it's this restaurant on the corner. She's like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, I've got to be there at nine. Can you drop me off? So she dropped me off and she had to go to work. Um, so she dropped me off a little bit early. Um, but, you know, this is before I knew how the industry works. So I was there early, yep. got changed, you know, set up, cooking. And it was, I remember it was a Friday and there's about, I think there must have been about eight other chefs trialing at the time. And, um, you know, so they're just kind of dropping off. I've got to go, got to do this, got to do that. And I was actually too too scared to ask to go home. Like, so I'm like 16, 15, 16 at the time. Um, and I ended up just staying all the way until the end, um, to like 11 p.m. It was like the longest shift I'd ever done in my life. Uh, and I was just, I wasn't too tired because I was young and that, but I just remember just being like terrified to ask to go home because I was just, you know, this little kid with these, you know, crazy, you know, like it was a proper kitchen, right? They had two kitchens. You know, at the end of it, sit down, you know, and they're like, you know, do you know who we are? I'm like, nah. They're like, do you know what hats are? I'm like, nah. They're like, do you know who Tetsuya is? I'm like, nah. They're like, that's the guy sitting next to you offering you a job. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> they're like, yeah. So we're like a three hat restaurant, top 10 in the world, blah, blah, blah. You've got the job. And I'm like, cool. And all I could think about was, wow, if I'm doing like 90 hours a week, I must be getting like mad pay. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So the, 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 you know, going back there and, and working there and then having that as your first. Place. So that's another kind of a bit of advice to give to someone is, you know, if you're starting off in an, any any industry, if you want to be the best, you've got to surround yourself with the best and learn from the best. Yeah. And, and that really, really skyrocketed. Like that's, you know, that's people still kind of, you know, still gets mentioned in articles, although I've asked people not to, you know, because it was like it was 21 years ago that I worked there, um, you know, but it was, it, was um, it really formed my entire career as a, just an attitude towards cooking you know because once you kind of work in that really structured high-end environment and you're pushing to be the best um, and everyone's pushing to do everything perfect it's actually quite easier to try to do something perfectly than to try and not like I can't like it's really hard for me to cook you know in a cafe like I, I wouldn't be I, I've tried to do it like I just can't like I have to be I have to be pushing for the absolute best or it has to be like ultra casual mm. yeah i just can't find that middle ground and i think that's i don't know if it's good or bad but you know starting in a restaurant that was that was the best that i probably could have got ever at that time really 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 set yourself up for the future yeah, for a 16 year old yeah for working, 16. One, working in one of the top 10 restaurants yeah. in the world, <laughs> yeah. like far out and there's like that food at that time it's like no one was eating sushi and no one was eating anything raw at the time and like you're talking 99 2000 you know, like no one was, no one, like there was no one doing that. Like Japanese food was like barely even, you know, there was a bit of it around, but it wasn't like now where you can just get sushi from Woolworths or Coles or takeaway and everyone's eating raw food. And like this, you can't, can't throw a rock at a menu in Sydney without hitting like a bunch of raw things on the menu and stuff like that. So yeah, at that time it's being like, it was pretty crazy, like eating, you know, these exotic ingredients and that. And that for me really opened my eyes to being like, wow, like, like there is no, there's no ceiling on cooking. There's just, it's up to your imagination. Like there's no rules. There's no guide. There's just whatever you want to do. And if it tastes good and you can sell it, well, fucking lucky. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> yeah. but you can still cook whatever the fuck you want, whenever yeah. you want. I, yeah. I figured out, like I love cooking, right? Yeah. So cooking is like one of my hobbies. Yeah, man. I find. So it relaxes you. Oh, it does. Yeah. Like for some reason. You get into a trance. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like you're creating something and then you get to taste it and 
like you see other people eat it and they enjoy it. It's like it lifts you, eh? Oh, it's, it's totally, it's totally so weird, eh? But it's 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 this it's, it's it's hard. It's yeah. It's like it's so it's it's so incredibly personal as well. Food, like it's <laughs> it's the it's one of the rawest things. It's like you know, it's like almost like. Like for me, cooking for someone is more personal than like having sex, you know, for the first time. You know, you're both naked, you're both very vulnerable. You know, for me, cooking is a very like, especially cooking for someone very new, deep. like a new, yeah, like yeah. a new girlfriend or, or friends or or whatever, you know, having a dinner party and you're cooking this food and you're like, wow, this is like, this is me. Like I'm putting me on a plate and if they don't like it, I'm going to be fucking crushed. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? You're just sitting there watching them going, do you like it? And they're yeah. like, yes, it's fucking delicious. And like, yes. You know I mean, what I mean? That, that's yeah. the whole thing. But you never serve family to your friends. Yeah, like, yeah. To, yeah. to your family. Sorry. Yeah. Because they always rip you. Yeah. Or, or they'll be so nice and they won't tell you the utmost. Yeah. Food. Yeah, that's so what, it. what I used to do, right, is I would, I start off with baking. Yeah. And I send it to some of my, my friends down yeah. the road. I said, what do you think of this? And they'd be like, it's good, but you could do this. You could do this better. I'm like, cool, cool. This is when I first started out. Yeah. Just cooking. And um, nothing too extreme. Gordon Ramsay was my hero. Oh, mad. Yeah, yeah. He's like my literal, um, I learned how to cook in hospital. And then from that, just transferred to home. Yeah, it was, mad. It was like this cool thing that I just enjoyed doing. Yeah. And food was, of course, everyone loves food. Everyone, right. right? yeah, yeah. So you needed to survive. Yeah, 100%. So, um, yeah, for me, that I just... Loved it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, for someone like yourself, like. Well, I just love, I love eating. Like I think, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I want to say, I don't really want to rip on the industry too much. Um, Cause I'm not really in it anymore, but you know, I don't know. I just kind of feel like there's some, there's a turning point in the industry and food, food became kind of less about food hmm. and it became more about, I don't know, I guess the internet or I don't know to be honest, but you know, I miss like, you know, a lot of the best chefs that I admire and look up to, um, and not just good cooks, they just like eating. They're just like eating food, mm. you know, like you, you talk to them and like you meet, when you meet other chefs that are just love food, like if, even if I wasn't a chef or in food, I would be, you know, I'd be just spending all my time researching, eating, you know, cooking at home. But when you meet someone that has a, a similar passion about food, like it's, you can't, it's like you're trying to both talk over the top of each other. You know what I mean? It's like you're just screaming about food, like this, 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 this. And, and, and it's crazy when you go and, and you eat out with people that just are so, just the joy it brings, you know, on their, on their face and like, you know, just even thinking or talking about going to some restaurant, you know, like you can see a lot of people now will plan their whole holidays around food. Like I, I think I had one holiday which wasn't planned around food and I went to a, a pretty touristy destination and it was it was probably the fucking worst holiday I've ever had. Like I hated it. I hated it the whole time. I fought my girlfriend the whole time. Um, and she was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. And then later I was like, do you know what? It's because there wasn't any food. Like there was, there was food, but it was touristy, it yeah. like tourist traps. It was, you know, like a resort. It was an island. It was like nice and relaxing. But I had like, you know, there was nowhere for me to look forward to every day of like, you know, what, what are, where are we going to go and eat this or what's this place we can go and look up or you know, I'm really excited to go to this dinner or something like that. Like for me, that's always the motivation when I went on holidays. I didn't realize that, mm. you know, until until going on holiday that didn't revolve around eating. Yes. It became like a, a new thing. Yeah. I, I remember watching it happen, having a restaurant and just watching the clientele change from, you know, from, you know, um, you know, your parents or, you know, you're kind of 40, 50 
or, you know, young professionals to like, we'd get like, we'd get girls coming in with their friends um, for their 20th or 21st birthday, having a seven course digger station. And that was how they chose to spend their birthday. And I just remember being like, fuck, like, like I'm 36. Like my 21st, all I wanted to do was get as drunk as fucking possible. <laughs> and then try to fucking probably hook up with someone. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was all, that was my goal. Yeah. Like how wasted can I get? You know what I mean? And I think I actually did that and I ended up getting way too drunk and not actually being able to go out. Like I ended up being like put in bed at like 11 p.m. But like yeah, at, my, at my house. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, a, it was, it was looking back now, it was the dumbest thing because I should have just enjoyed it and paced myself. But, you know, back when, yeah, back in my 20s, it was just about partying and going to clubs or, you know, music or, you know, there was still food elements, but I could never share that with my friends because even though I was a chef working at restaurants, none of them, A, had the, the, the finances to go and eat at the place that I want to eat at and they didn't really care. It wasn't a priority. So, like, but then it's now it's like, you know, you see these people that are, you know, like 16, 17, 18, you know, and they've got like tens of thousands of followers on Instagram and they're just, they're just into food. But it also, on the other side of it, makes me question whether they're into food because they like food. And that's what I was saying before. Whether they're into the food or they're just, they're just doing it because it's a trend and they know they can get followers from it. And, you know, people that do like food will, will follow food accounts. So I'm not sure, of double, but, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see the industry just changing for food to become this entertainment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's never, it was never like that before, you know. It was, yeah, it was, yeah it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're in the industry more than I am, so you would know. You've seen the changes over yeah. the years. So where did Bar Yumi or Burger Yumi come from? Oh, I remember. Um, so that actually started, so I had the restaurant and um, I had a new partner at the time and um, we were just talking about burgers and stuff like that. And um, she, we were living together, we were living above the restaurant um, and she wanted an Ebi Katsu burger. And I went, oh, we'd always, we'd always had a burger shop written into the original business plan. So we're going to set up the one, like the, the, the restaurant, hopefully, you know, win a hat, win whatever, won the hat. And then we're like, oh, we should set up a side business of a burger shop. And we'd actually been shopping around for a site, you know, and thinking about somewhere in the city and start to entertain the idea. We've been pretty comfortable. We're coming up to like three or four years of the space. Um, you know, so we're looking around. She wanted one. So I made one for her. Um, and she loved it. She frothed on it. And, um, yeah, she was like, wow, you should do this. Like you, sh you should sell this. And I was like, nah. And then, so I did it for the staff and the staff were like, yeah, this is sick. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, all right, we'll do like a pop-up. I'm like, we'll do it in Ume restaurant because we've already got the restaurant. We're doing it on Sunday. We're closed on Sundays and we'll just play whatever music we want. Cause you know, we're pretty, it was a pretty kind of strict work environment like you know we had very soft music we had sommeliers and managers and you know sous chefs and pastry chefs and all that shit um and so we're like let's just wear whatever we want play whatever music we want we'll do a pop-up and we'll just fucking wing it and um at that time i had like no instagram followers i had like you know 600 or something, 700 instagram followers something like that and i just put it one post up on my instagram and um we had like like 100 or 200 people turn up that day and we sold out in like 40 minutes Jeez. We just did one burger. Yeah, that's it. Just one burger. People turned out. We're crazy. What the fuck? It's like, all right, we'll do another one. So we did, again, we're like, all right, let's try out another burger. So we did the recipe testing. We're using all the, the leftover products um, that we had at Ume anyway. So we're using, you know, it was like Blackmore Wagyu and stuff like this, but we're making everything in-house and all this. You know, so we did another one. Again, boom, 200, 250 people turn up, sell out in like an hour. We're like, fuck, all right. 
<laughs> so we did 10 more, right? And we actually just like, it was getting like after like five, we're just like, let's just do just like a, just a takeaway one and just see how people do. just take away, sold out. Another one sold out. We did them in the rain, sold out. So we did every single one of them. We sold out except one. One with them was a little bit hard. It was like a long weekend and something had happened, but we still were about, we were about 20 burgers shy of selling out. And each time it was like, you know, hundreds of people lined up outside. And we're like, oh, fuck, this has got some legs on it. And so um, Baranguru approached, like Len Lee, sorry, approached me to do, to move my restaurant. Uh, and I'd been looking to move the restaurant. Um, but the capital investment was, you know, he was looking at like a million dollars, you know, to move it. And I was like, how do I make a million bucks? Like fucking, I'd have to like get $200 a head, lunch and dinner, yeah. seven days a week. I just couldn't see it happening. I was like, that's just retarded as a business model. You can't, you can't do that. And um, so I said to him, oh, do you guys have like a ramen place or a burger place? Like, oh, you do those pop-ups, right? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, do you have, have you ever thought about doing pop-ups? I said, we're actually looking at a space right now. And they're like, we have something we've been saving. And they took me down here and they showed me the waterfront place. And they said, would you be interested in this? And I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how, like how am I going to pay for it? Um, anyway, we managed to work together with Lane Lease and, and get it open. And it just kind of went from there. And we, I just figured I couldn't run two business models at the time. I didn't have the right infrastructure and changing your, your, your perspective, like your, your head from, from fine dining, from doing, you know, you know, four or 500 small plates of food a night, you know, really refined, taking your time, you know, making sure it's perfect to, to basically, you know, how quick and how good can we get the food out? You know, for for over a thousand people a day was was hard for me to. You can't just switch your head back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like it was for me, it's just too hard. I just have to do one or the other. So I changed Ume Restaurant into Barume, which it is now, and they do all the. They we figured as well as a business model, we produce all our food there because we've got the staff, yeah. we've got the infrastructure, cool rooms, storage space, and then here we decided to go slim. We built the kitchen to basically just be able to serve people all day, and that's what we do. They don't really do any prep here. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, so it's all fresh though. Yeah, we don't have no freezers. I don't believe in freezers. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't let chefs, a chefs uh, cut corners like that. So just like, nah, you're not allowed to have a freezer. And if they don't have a freezer, there's nowhere there for them to hide things, as well. Yeah, yeah. That's clever. I didn't know that. Yeah, I never had them. Never like, believed in them. Okay. I, I have one for pastry, like a small one, if if in a restaurant. But now there's there's no no yeah at the other at the production place. Um, yeah, we have like one. But other than that, no, there's no service so freezers. How do you keep the so we have like systems so we have like checklists every day like how many we've sold oops how many we have left over um things like that and then we look at our data so we look at our sales data for each day of the week over the years like it's hard in the first year but like we'll look year on year now so we'll go okay we're coming up to you know say we're coming up to like easter we'll go okay on easter every thursday at easter in these months in these weather, we usually sell about this much and then we'll go for that much. And then what we'll do is we'll do some clever things like, you know, positioning of where the menu is. People just have this affinity to go for things that are on their right-hand side because most people are right-handed. So if you move a menu item down to your counter on the right, you, yeah, yeah, psychology, yeah. People will, uh, that's another good thing I, I learned was um, the one thing that never changes in business is human psychology. Mm. Yeah. That's good. So how many customers for the, the burger one, yeah. Would you get through in a day? Um, on a on an average day, about five hundred, and then on a busy day, about a thousand to about like a really busy day. I think we did like, I think we did like almost eighteen hundred one day. Far out. It was fucking mental, man. How did you cut? 
Do you know what? I wasn't fucking here. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Joe, who's my general manager, we weren't here. We were doing Parramatta Lanes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we did Parramatta Lanes and they had, uh, it was like just a, the normal staff and they smashed it. But we'd also pre-sold like 250 burgers before it even opened. So we did some catering for um, a few companies around the city. Yeah. How long has it been open for now? Three, almost four years. Jeez. What month are we in? Three and a half years, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Goes quicker. Yeah. The other one's seven and a half years. And from those two mm-hmm. spawned the pasta one. Yep. And Don Taco. Yep. And yeah. And we met dogs. Yeah, we met dogs. Yeah, that was a flash in the pan. We thought everyone <laughs> likes fucking hot dogs. Apparently, no one likes hot dogs. Um, <laughs> it's a very American thing. That's the thing, you know. And I lived in Vancouver for a couple of years and. Um, Japan, they're super popular, you know, hot dogs. Obviously, they, they emulate, um, the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you've got places like Bubble Dogs in London, which is like champagne hot dogs. Um, so we just thought, yeah, like, but, you know, hot dogs suck in Australia. So there's a market there for, for good hot dogs. No. And there's not because everybody still thinks of hot dogs as 7 Eleven and IKEA. And they just can't, it's just they too far for them away. to think yeah. about. And, and when they do think about a gourmet hot dog, they think about a gourmet sausage sizzle. So there's just, it's, I don't think, bunnings, exactly, $1 bunnings. Yeah. Uh, so that, that'll that just never, ever, ever work, ever. So, so <laughs> I have to say, those those hot dogs are pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, we got, sausages. they were they were organic. They were um, they were wood smoked, um, made by Ascara. Down at Adelaide Hills, we got them like, they were, they were fucking awesome, Franks, man. Like they were really, really like all natural, organic. Uh, the bread was made by textbook. Um, you know, we had like this beautiful, you know, his award-winning four-time master pastry chef of the year making the bread. You know, we had like, like, as, like as far as a hot dog could go, it was pretty much as, yeah, as good as you way. could get. Yeah, and just still no one wanted it, um, which is, that's just the way it is. You know, you got to try these things out. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, Don Taco, we're just waiting for a better home for it at the moment. You know, Sydney's going through a bit of a, you know, or Australia's going, went, was going through a bit of a mini recession. It was a recession per capita, but you know, we're just waiting for kind of things to level out and people to get a bit more, a bit more, um, what's the word, adventurous with their spending, you know, and then and then we'll do Don Taco again. So, I think uh, like yeah. Guzman and Gomez and all yeah. those places now, they're sort of popping up everywhere. That's it. Um, what's another place? Is Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. yeah. Some, uh, Zambrero. Yeah, Zambrero as well. I'm not sort of big on Mexican food. Nah. Myself, I'm more of a burger, hot yeah. dog, pie, yeah, pizza, yeah. pasta. Yeah, see, pizza's yeah. really taking off in Sydney, right? I know. I, I kind of picked that about six. I was like, I reckon pizza's going to go through this whole thing in Sydney. And um, there's a couple of people doing pizza shops soon, I can't say. But, yeah, like pretty much the way that we stepped into burgers, like when like a lot of kind of restaurant guys went, all right, we're going to do burger shops. That's what's happening with pizza, and I think it's going to keep happening this year. I think you'll see about three or four, and then I think there'll be just too many, and you'll see all the all the smaller guys drop off because you'll have these bigger restaurant dudes coming in. Just mm-hmm. like look at LP, like um, Bella Bruta, you know what I mean? They're making their own fucking salumi. Like, <laughs> how do you compete with that? Yeah, and it's delicious. Like, it's fucking awesome. But like, you know, like if you got. If you're just a normal pizza dude, and then you go like, <laughs> like you know what I mean, making their own cheese and shit. Like, I can't, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? No point in competing. Yeah, you just yeah. like, all right, just cut your costs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess from that, what was the biggest mistake that you made when you first started out? 
Um, look, I believe all mistakes lead to knowledge. Like failure is the best teacher, right? So success is a horrible teacher, as Bill Gates says. Um, so I, I don't look at any of my mistakes as being um, failures. Just one thing I should have paid more attention to was what people with more experience were telling me, um, which is it's hard. It's hard because you want to go with your, your gut and you want to go with what you know and you want to try for yourself. So sometimes it's hard to go, oh, okay, if I listen to you. Um, but yeah, I kind of made a few mis- you know, a few errors in my ways when I was younger and went for things like money. Um, and that's advice I give. Like money, like if you chase money, you won't have it ever. Like money comes to people that don't want it for some Funny reason. Funny how that works. For eh? some reason, but if, if you don't want money, you'll get money. Yeah. If you want money, you won't get it. Well, you won't hold on to it. Yeah. At I least, always say, yeah. like I was talking to um, someone this morning about that very thing. I say you don't invest in money because money is yeah. it comes and goes quicker than you can actually make yep. it. Yeah. And if you invest in people, yeah, and you'd be surprised yep. at the investment that you've made for yourself that's and it. for that person. That's it. Yeah. Like I ch- that's how I, I mean that, that was one of the hardest things for me to get my own that's why I started my own restaurant because no one wanted to invest in a white guy doing Japan high-end Japanese food in Sydney. And I was like, look, it's not the model. You're investing in, in me as a person. Look at my resume, look at my track record. Like it's it hasn't been bad, you know, like just just trust in what I'm doing. Uh, and people couldn't, you know, and then I opened my own restaurant. It's been, but I'm glad I did that. But yeah. yeah you best, show people at the end of the day. Yes, like, yeah, success is the best revenge, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, is it hard to sort of start your own restaurant? Oh, fuck yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Like it's it's hard. It's even starting a new business now. Like we're doing, we're starting the new one that's coming in October. And, you know, every time you do it, you're like, oh, this will be easy. And then it's not. It's just the same headache. So it does get a bit easier. But your first one, you're just winging it. Like you just, like I still can remember, like we opened with, we must have opened with about 5K in the account. You know, which is fucking like it's ridiculous. Like there was no way you would like any. If I was, that's that's just gambling. That's straight up gambling. We did that, and um, luckily, you know, we had a little bit of a rent-free period. And um, when we opened, we got you know some really amazing reviews, and we had a good following, and we were busy, we were full for like seven months. So we, you know, banked up all that money, and that kept us going. But you know, we had no idea. We were doing everything. We had no idea, like you know, about invoicing. Like I just paid all my invoices when they came in, like on the day or the next day. I had no idea about cash flow. Did you get a shock with GST? Yeah, yeah. Got I didn't know what those were. I was like, what's this fucking bill? Is this my tax bill? And they're like, no, you're going to get this every three months. And I'm like, what? But yeah, just even like, you know, having credit terms. Like we didn't, I didn't know that you could just not pay an invoice for a month, you know, and then that would give you cash flow. And I was like, we are just paying like every day on the day. It was like we were COD. You know, we are paying... You know, it's like just the way we were just handling money was just the wrong way. And like, you know, you just learn that where to put your money. And once you have your own business, you kind of learn how the customers, you know, which makes them happy and that. But like there was probably a hundred times that I could have gone bankrupt easily. Yeah. I think it was like def- there was definitely a few, there was definitely months where I wouldn't sleep and there was like, you know, like you'd wake up feeling physically ill or you'd look at your bank accounts just staring at it and trying not to throw up because you're like fuck this is the end this is actually it this is and then just fucking for some reason some article comes out or 
oh, the weather right. changes, yeah. And so actually the both the last two times I was gonna go bankrupt. Um, I just went, fuck it, I'm just cooking whatever I want. If I go down, I'm going down doing exactly what I want to do. Um, so I just stripped the entire menu, redid the entire menu, just did degustation at Ume. Two degustation menus, which is what I always want to do, and I went fuck it. If you, do, if you don't want to come, you don't come. Full, <laughs> like we were full, Jeez. man, for like we were booked out for weeks. And then I was like, okay. And then like so again, you know, kind of like started kind of changing things a bit. Uh, and then just before we closed, I went fuck it. I'm doing my ultimate menu um, again. Full, <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. It was like so. Yeah, that's a bit of advice as well. Just go with your heart, I guess. Mm. You know what I mean? Don't try to cook too much for. Your customer, you know what I mean? Because they'll just come, they'll just use you and leave you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you gotta cook for yourself. Mm. That's good advice, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah. like you were saying before, cooking is very intimate, it's very, it very is very personal. Yeah. So, if you cook, like you said, for yourself, then doesn't matter what happens. To no, because you've just, you, if you're, you're satisfied. Exactly. You know, and if you make money from it, great. If you don't, oh, well, you can still cook for yourself. Yeah. You know, I got, got money to cook. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of people. Uh, you know, still go. Oh, you know, I want to open a restaurant. What's your advice? And I'm like, just cook at home, man. Go, go get a finance job and just cook at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's much more enjoyable, and you know, you don't have to worry about reviewers and and bloggers and Google reviews and fucking Facebook comments and shit like that. Yeah, know? all that. Because yeah. I was around before that came out. Like I remember when Instagram came out, I had a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like. And Facebook was nothing. Like bloggers were bloggers. They wrote blogs. They actually wrote long blogs and they had websites. You know, they weren't just people who put a comment on Instagram. Um, and that was kind of like no one really took them seriously. And the only thing you had to worry about was um, reviewers coming in, you know, and you got to cook your food. And then it kind of just like like at the end of my restaurant career, you know, you had Instagram, Yelp, Zomato, Facebook, TripAdvisor, fucking Google reviews. I think there was another one out there, plus your reviewers, plus your bloggers. So you had like 10 different sources of internet fucking information of just like where anyone could either give you praise or ham you. So it was like you're like this just bipolar fucking dude all the time because you're just like good review, oh, bad review, good review, bad review, good review, bad review. And you see, just either got to switch off to it all of it but yeah just change the game a lot yeah definitely so i think social media can either be your best friend or your worst enemy that's it and people have built whole businesses around it like there's cafes out there that just cater just to instagrammers Mm. and you can see it you're like oh my god this food looks fucking atrocious but (laughs) (laughs) but people go and take photos of it and they make money from it so i'm like oh fuck them good on them yeah you know if, if that's bloggers what that's what instagram is one and that's what they're making money from it. Oh, well, good why on not? them. Good yeah. on them. Why not? Whatever works. It was actually uh, someone reached out to me and told me of your burger place. Isn't it? Before that. Oh, yeah, man. I never yeah. heard of that yeah. before. Yeah, good. And I was just like, okay, cool. I'll reach out to him and see if he'd be interested in in like sharing his story. Yeah. And um, then also I saw the burgers and like, damn, yeah, I'm going to try that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was it? Oh, <laughs> just sensational. Just to put it on the spot. <laughs> With the buns, like. Oh yeah, that's that's. Um, Is that from? So me and textbook. So John John was my sous chef at my first place, the Koi. Um, when it was the first place I won a hat, and um, we worked both worked together at the Michelin place I was talking about before in London, and we won a star there. And then um, we there's a type of bread from Mercado, 
And I loved it because I had an ex that was from Hokkaido, so I spent many years traveling back and forth. And um, so we both formulated this recipe, and it took us about 20-something goes to get it right. Um, and um, it's pretty labor-intensive. As I've heard, I haven't actually had to make like a 1,000 of them at a time. But, yeah, basically it's a custom recipe that we did ourselves. And, um, it yeah. tastes phenomenal. Because I said if I'm going to do a burger, like we actually tried to make our own cheese. Like, wow. Yeah, okay. but we, we could, well, no one would do it for us. So there's a certain blend I want. I'm not going to say what it is, but there's a blend of cheese, which is in my, it's perfect. Yeah, like. perfect for a burger, especially for like a good fatty meat burger. So we did, you know, our patties are our blend, you know, everything, even like the we import our own mayonnaises and stuff like that. For the, but obviously we're not going to make it. Um, we could, but it's just we, we hammer through. Like we, we do like 3,500 burgers a week. But um, I was like, the bread, we have to make the fucking bread. Like, it has to be. And we had a couple of, you know, guys try it at bakeries around Sydney. And I was just like, nah, like, we're going to, we'll just make it ourselves. Um, and, you know, we've talked, but yeah, the cheese, that's the next thing that me and Joe. The cheese connoisseur. Yeah. Like, I love my cheese. Who doesn't? Like, you've got to love cheese. But yeah, it's, it's a good blend of, of a semi soft and, and a hard cheese. But we've tried to get, um, pure dairy which are the ones that do the high melt cheese to make it for us yep. and they said they would if there was enough interest in it but then i was like well i don't want anyone else to have my fucking cheese like it's my cheese like <laughs> I don't want, i'm not yeah i'm not i'm not gonna help anyone else push me out of business <laughs> nah, just because it'd be the cheese 100 like yeah cheese on the bun that's all you need man meat cheese bun oh, like a nice sauce mate done sold. yeah that's it that's all you need right that's a yeah. burger I think for me, my signature dish for all my friends, I make it every single time they come over, is what are they going to have? I'll make you my signature toasty yeah, man. sandwich. Yeah. And I kind of got most of the recipe from that movie, Chef. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good movie, actually. It was amazing. Yeah. I was surprised. A lot of chefs ripped on it. Like, yeah. oh, it's a movie, bro. It's like, have fun. Just yeah. watch it. And then that yeah. opening scene where he's making the, the toasty for his yeah. son, I'm like, yeah, that's one hell of a toasty. Yeah. So I'm going to change that. I came up with my own recipe. Yeah, good. And it's just like this like flavor. you got to get the right bread. Yeah. The right cheese, right ingredients. That's the thing. Like sandwiches, like I was going to do a sandwich shop, and I might still do one. Could do a Japanese sandwich shop, and someone's like, "Oh, that'd be easy." And I'm like, "No, it's like the hardest fucking thing in the world because you've only got like four ingredients. Like, you've got to have the right mustard or the right mustard blend, or you've got to make your own mustard blend. And the mayo has to be perfect, and the meat, like you know, if you're doing pastrami or you're doing a fried thing or something like that, it's got to be perfect. And the, the structure and the integrity of the bread for the product you're putting in there has to be right. You can't put some, you know, really chewy, you know, roast beef on this really you know, soft white bread because it's just going to fucking fall apart. You know, you want to have something with a bit of structure to it you know, that can, can take a, a toasting or take a bit of a beating or if you've got something soft and like you've got kind of like a tuna mayo, then you want something with a crust in it, you know, you kind of have two soft textures, you know. I was explaining this to someone, they're like, actually, I can't believe you're just talking about fucking sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite pasta. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. I like uh, a brioche bun. Yeah, yeah. And my old style sourdough. Oh, so yeah, yeah, older, me too. The older the sourdough, yeah. the better the toasty, yeah. I find. Yeah, so. 100%, man. Yeah, I'm always like, you know, it's about contrasting, you know, or com complimenting, uh, as Puskas would say. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, you got to look at those textures and go, okay, what, what's missing? What do I need to add? Because bread, the range of bread is just like it's crazy. Uh, it's insane, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so finishing up, because I am yeah, mindful man. of your time. 
So what sort of drives you like, and what are some things that you're passionate about besides food? Um, so, uh, and like improvement, yeah. self-improvement. I think, um, I think if you have the opportunity to do something special um, in, in, a, in its own way and in, in your own universe, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to be the CEO of, you know, Apple or Prime Minister. Like as long as, you know, for you, like we talked about defining your own success, mm-hmm. you know, if you have that opportunity and, and you believe that you can do it, just give it a go. Mm-hmm. Just, just try, you know what I mean? And that's for me, that's what I think. I'm like, all right, I've got this opportunity. You know, I'm born at the right time in history in the right country in, 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 in the world. You know, a lot of people don't get this opportunity. You know what I mean? It could be, I could have been born in a different country at a different time and I'd be fighting for my food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sitting around here and taking all that for granted, I don't want to do that. Um, so I think, okay, I'll try and, you know, build the best life I can and that will best help my friends and family. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, you need money to do that. You know, the easiest way to help people is with money. Um, and it is, it's a sad truth. Um, but you know, um, doing that and then just try to, um, you know, just try to help inspire maybe some of the junior people. Um, we get a lot of kind of younger teenagers coming here and that, you know, they're kind of, they can be a bit loose, but you know, we just try to mentor them in the right way. So yeah, that's kind of, that's my motivation is trying to make a difference, I guess, just a small difference. You know, I don't want to cure cancer. I'd like to, if I could, but I know I can't. Well, I haven't Imagine tried. Imagine you could cure cancer <laughs> with food. I probably can. You There's probably, probably can. somewhere. Yeah. You know, most medicines are derived from food. You know, back in the day. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that that's my drive is just making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a difference to my life and or someone else's life every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good drive, man. Yeah. yeah thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. So, finishing off, three bits of advice you yep. can give to someone starting out or just needing a bit of a boost. Um. Rest, rest is really important. It's more important than you would ever think. Even though I just talked about not sleeping, um, you can't really function. You don't really know. Like you can't fix a problem with your brain, like with your brain. You know what I mean? If there's a problem in your mind, you're not going to know about it, right? And most of these problems will come from sleep deprivation or lack of nutrition. So sleep, like sleep as much as – if you need to stay in bed for 15 hours, that's because you're fucking tired, right? So stay in bed. I don't care what people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't sleep too much. Fuck them. Stay in bed. Get get rest, right? I've I've spent days where I slept for 22 hours straight through. You know what I mean? I'll be refreshed and then I'll go out and, you know, I can sleep less. So sleep. Um, the other thing is learn, read. Maybe reading is not your, you know, not not the way that you absorb knowledge, but it might be, you know, watching YouTube videos. Like we're in, we're in an era now where literally every single bit of information is at your fingertips. Mm. Everything, you know. So you don't have to learn twenty four seven, but I would recommend spending. I try to spend an hour a day, forty five minutes to an hour a day, learning something. Just learning something, right? So then again, it's that compounding. Um, and the other thing is, you know, don't be don't be so caught up on what everyone else is doing. And that's what social media really pushes is that everybody else is killing it. They're not. They're just showing that they're killing it because they're actually not fucking killing it. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, of course, your, your whole, you know, you're going to be a product of what you um, expose yourself to. You know what I mean? What, what you see is going to build your reality. So if you're constantly seeing other people killing the game, you're going to feel that you're not. Yeah. So I recommend if that's kind of having an impact on you, to cut it out. Cut out social media. Just focus on you. Have your own goals. That's good advice, man. Yeah. And I think as well, 
like in the day and age of social media, we have everything at our fingertips. We can see everything. Yeah. But it also affects us mentally. Yeah, it affects your self-esteem yeah. mentally because you feel like you haven't done as much as this guy that's gone and bought a boat or whatever the fuck he's done, which is probably bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, you don't a, know if he's in debt. You don't no, know. it might be his friend's yeah. boat. It might be might not even be his boat. It might be just doing it so that he can get some sort of money or something. You know what I mean? You don't know. And who cares? Mm-hmm. Who fucking cares? But yeah, the things that I've done is try to cut back on social media, and and um, you know because it's it's that you know everyone's putting their best selves out there or this fake best self of them out there. So you know, focusing on your own little goals um, and and doing it for you is important because that's the only person that's really going to care at the end of the day. Unfortunately, it's, <laughs> it's all you got left at the end of the day. It's like when it's got you, man. Yeah, just you. Yeah, yeah that's it. So. I feel like that's a great way to end it. So thank you so thanks, much, Toby, for coming thank you. on. Cheers, man. Storybox yeah. podcast and sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Storybox podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this one, you can do so now over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just by searching up the Storybox. And if you got something out of this week's episode, please leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and share it around with your friends and family. Let's start changing people's lives through powerful stories. You can also connect with the Storybox on social media for updates or to send a, a nice message via Instagram and Facebook just by searching up the Storybox. It's that easy. Until we dive next week back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom and don't forget to share your story around. I'll catch you then.